welcome to the Heart Centered Sales Leader Podcast, your one-stop shop for building client relationships, scaling your business, and ultimately growing your income. When you are looking for your next step in personal and financial growth, we've got you covered. With your host, number one international best-selling author and heart-centered sales expert, Connie Whitman. Welcome to the Heart-Centered Sales Leader Podcast on webtalkradio.net. Of course, I'm your Heart-Centered Sales Leader and host, Connie Whitman. Thanks for joining us this week. So, you know, I'm a broken record. I have a free gift right out of the gate to help you shift that mindset of sales being icky sleazy and pushy and manipulative ick to love, care, and respect. So go to my website and take my free communication style assessment. It gives you really a good um, idea of what your superpowers are, natural kind of communication superpowers. And it also spotlights your your uh, blind spots. And that to me is where the magic really happens because once you understand that blind spot, now you are in a position of power. So go to WhitmanAssos.com slash CSA and get your free report. That is my gift to you. Now, my motivational quote today is by Zeth Berkeley, and Zeth, Zeth says, leadership is about vision and responsibility, not power. Now, what if you can get better results as a leader without working harder? And do you know how to main the, make the shift really in a mindset that makes it easy to see and do the high value work? And do you know what hotspots um, maybe to look at for in your own organizations and how to fix them or help everyone level up their results without working harder, right? This is the name of the game nowadays. Well, you've got clients to serve, a team to support, and a vision for your company um, that you want to instill and create. Are you ready to make the most of all the hours you'll invest this year? And are you ready to learn how you can be the 10 time leader? Well, of course I have an amazing guest today. And my guest is Alicia Huck. Now Alicia is brilliant. She's a business consultant and her specialty is helping fast growing companies fix profitably profitability, productivity, culture, and quality problems caused by growth. Now with her expertise in both human behavior and process science, she is known for practical, pragmatic solutions. And she has founded her wonderful company, Maverick and company in 2004. She lives in Denver, Colorado, and she works uh, nationally. I'm maybe getting international now that we have Zoom. Please help me welcome my wonderful good friend and amazing, brilliant business owner, Alicia, to the show. So thank you so much for being on, girlfriend. Hi, Connie. I'm so excited. I love everything that you teach about sales. I was nodding along because, you know, if you sold like a human being talking to other humans, wouldn't the world be a better place if everybody did that? Yep. It's not always about the dollar, right? I mean, look, money's important, right, Alicia? You and I were business owners. We need to pay bills. We need to keep the lights on in our business, but you got to do it the right way. And you're, you're my people. And that's why I'm so excited to have you on the show. I think a lot of businesses we're, we're trying to scale and grow. I don't know that they know what that means though. And then what the pitfalls are. So this is really yeah. an important conversation. So a lot of leaders, they struggle to get out of the, the just the day-to-day operational crap that has to be done. Right. Um, and maybe they focus on the big picture. So what do you, what do you, what do you think, or why do you think that is that there's this disparity from the big picture day to day? And we, we just kind of get in the mishmash of our lives. 
Oh my gosh. I think it's two big things that I see over and over. So the first one is, you know, most of us start a business or we buy a company because we want it to serve our lives. Mm-hmm. But if you're not careful, your business can really easily start behaving like a, a, hot, a toddler hopped up on sugar. It just wants more, right? It wants more of your time, more of your energy, a lot like a sales job. You could just never be done, right? There's always more stuff that you could do. So right. one thing is if you're not sort of on guard for that, your business always wants more, right? You could work a thousand hours a week and it still wouldn't be enough. There's always more that you could do. So that's one thing. Yeah. And the second thing is, I think for a lot of us, um, you know, how you rise in the world is based on what you can do, what you can accomplish, right? How much stuff you can get done in a day. But as soon as you have an organization around you, it shouldn't be about that anymore, except nobody ever tells you. So you become a manager and you think you're supposed to keep cranking stuff out the same way you did when you were a producer, you become a CEO. And what you do is you still relate to yourself. Like my value is in fighting fires. So I run around all day fighting as many fires as I can. And frankly, we don't really create organizations that are set up to have you do something different. So if you don't know that you're not supposed to do that, if you don't know that that's not ideal and you don't know what you should be doing instead, and your business always wants more of you, then it's really natural to just get caught up running around. So a lot of people that I talk with, they might have an idea that they want it to be different. They might even know that they should be doing something differently, but bridging the gap from where you are today to that is is a tricky thing. So I don't think business leaders should feel bad, but I do think you should do something about it. Yeah, why be in pain? Do you think that the whole, you know, me coming up through through the corporate realm, like the mantra was, and even, you know, New York is right, you know, literally a ferry ride away, a 40 minute ferry ride away from me. You know, they, they hire these college kids and they expect them to work 70, 80, 90 hours a week and they pay them pretty, pretty well. But when you break it down to that hourly rate, it's kind of not great. But what happens is, and I grew up in that culture, you show up, you work, you put those extra hours in, you don't get paid for it. You do, you do, you do. And then when you become into management, it's like, okay, now I have to even raise the bar higher, mm-hmm. do more, right? And, and you get on that treadmill. And I, I think we're almost trained that way. Is that what you find is happening or it's something else? I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I think, I think there are definitely organizations that train that way. And for sure, that is very prevalent on the East Coast, right? It is all hustle all the time. Yeah, I live in Denver, Colorado. <laughs> it doesn't matter what kind of organization you're in. It's just not that weird for somebody to take off at two o'clock in the afternoon to go for a mountain bike ride. No now, they kidding. might come back and work at, you know, 9 30, 10 o'clock at night, but we're, we're a little different out here. <laughs> but I think for all of us, you know, we, most of us, you want to play games that you can win. So you are naturally going to gravitate toward activities where you feel comfortable and you know, you can produce results. And if you find that there are certain activities in your business that are just easy for you to do, they're low hanging fruit. A lot of the stuff that's higher level is more complicated it's harder. It's not necessarily something we're really good at, right? So maybe I need to go and confront Scott, who's on my sales team, who's really been floundering and hasn't really been getting his job done and has kind of had a bad attitude around the office. But Scott's been there a long time and I don't really know what I'm supposed to say to him and I don't want Scott to be mad at me. And so there's all this other paperwork that's suddenly going to become really, really important. So it's in some sense, we avoid it because we, we don't know how to do it. We don't know what we're supposed to do. And there's so much other stuff that really yells for your attention. 
And half the time, I think they promote you because you were a good producer, right? For and sure. then you get the position, but you have zero leadership skills. No one has ever taught you how to manage people that has the emotional intelligence, maybe if it's not a natural gift that you're born with. And all of a sudden you're managing a team. And I see this all the time with my, my corporate clients and their sales teams. They come in and they say, you didn't make enough calls. What's wrong with you? And, and it becomes the numbers, right? Yes, mm-hmm. we have to measure numbers and sales. But the reality is you're telling someone who's really scared of the phone, has never really been trained properly on the phone, much better face-to-face with a client, but you're demanding instead of 25 calls, now they make 50 calls. So what happens is their production goes even lower because now they're spending more time on the phone where they're not really good. They want to vomit before they get on the phone, by the way. So they're freaking miserable. Their confidence is depleting. So even when they are in front of the client, they're not making as many sales. And then the manager comes out, what's wrong with you? Why aren't you doing? And it becomes this whole, you know, who's on first Abbott and Costello, instead of looking and observing and saying, wait, what is really going on here? And me now as the leader, what do they need? What does my team need from me or need externally, right? Like hiring you. I'm now this new leader as CEO and I know things aren't right. I don't know how to fix it. We have to look outside for experts or, or within ourselves, if we have the capability to be able to fix those different nuances. So you have to see this all the time in, in multiple levels. For sure. And it's really funny because management is this insanely important job. We know that it's really hard, but what's weird is almost nobody really trains people for it, or maybe they send you away to a week long seminar or something, but like, what does that job actually entail? I mean, the equivalent would be if you're in a hospital and you've got like a janitor who's been cleaning up the surgery for five, six years, and then you lose your, your head surgeon. You're like, oh, well, you've been here a while. You be the surgeon. there's no way that that person is going to be able to win at that job right so because I work with fast-growing companies they're an interesting environment right because they're really resource scarce everything is moving really fast nobody has any extra time and so anything that you do you have to get a huge return out of because there's just so much happening at any given moment so what I've found is a key function that I provide with teams is actually to teach them how to think about management and develop a philosophy of it. So Mm. here's what I should focus on. Here's how I should view my job. And over the course of the, usually I work with people for about a year, they actually learn what a manager is supposed to do, how leadership is supposed to work. They get to Mm. practice. And it's not just all the cliches. And, you know, we have a lot of great books, right? There's the same that I I like to use as my, um, it's my example, the thing I pick on, right? We say, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And that is true. That is true. And that is really important. And there's a reason it's become a cliche, but it does not tell you what to do on Tuesday morning in your staff meeting where you have two people who are not doing very good work, who are being very lazy, one person who is compensating for them and therefore burning herself out and about ready to bail and the new guy. So what do you do in that Tuesday morning meeting, right, is a really important question. And I think too much of our leadership stuff is all philosophical and it sounds good and it looks good on a coffee mug, but it doesn't actually solve the problem. You know, it's funny. I remember years ago, I worked for a company and I, you, you know me well enough. I'm competitive. If I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it right. And I'm going to okay. give it a million percent, right? <laughs> Have you met me? So I always had to be number one it, it, and this in the two in the territory, the gentleman, it was like, we would tease, like he'd win, then I'd win. Then I, and, and when I won, I, I really rubbed it in. Right. And he just, we, we became good friends. The manager 
that we hired another person who couldn't hold a candle to this other gentleman and myself. They didn't touch his his uh, territory, but because the other person was floundering and the manager just didn't have time for it. And Connie's just a workhorse. They took all of my good pieces of the territory, gave it to this dude. So now what do you think happened? And it left me basically with nothing. So his numbers skyrocket, my numbers tank, which affects me financially. But that's my reputation. Now they're looking like, why Connie went up women's numbers are dropped. So I respectfully, I put a spreadsheet together, which is so not me. People that know me, they go, Connie did a spreadsheet. Did I even know how to do that? But I thought I have to come in from a place of logic to show that they've depleted my territory. Mm-hmm. And if they just gave me a little piece, my numbers would would continue to rise and he would you know, continue to thrive, although he shouldn't even have been in the position. But whatever. Politics right. is what it is. I went to the manager and I showed him and I says, all I'm asking, can you maybe take the three of our territories and, and reevaluate? He's got all of my territory that I've been working with. It was a, a bank. So the branches were well oiled. I trained them. He walked in they knew exactly what to do and they really left me with the smaller branches that didn't have the volume for me to be able to get my numbers he yelled at me and he basically told me sit there shut up continue to work and do what you're told and I said okay and I walked out and I thought I got to get out of here because that now because they know my work ethic they feel let's take from her give to the one who was not working as hard and she'll work harder to make her numbers but at some point it it even somebody like me, who's a producer and care and right, really responsible, you, you, you just, you took the, the rug out from under me and I couldn't succeed. So these are the things that are happening all the time. And by the way, he was promoted because he was a good producer, horrible manager, oh, right? Real stories. I'm sure you have yeah. a million of them. Yeah. It's a management is a tricky job, right? And so we don't teach people the things that they need to know. And we take producers and you make them managers and then you're kind of screwed. And yeah. especially if you're an entrepreneur, you are somebody who is good at figuring things out, right? Yeah. Throw me a problem. I'll come up with something. I always, I joke that a lot of the entrepreneurs I end up working with are kind of the Han Solo type, right? They don't <laughs> need to know the odds. Just tell me what the target is and give me a gun, right? I'm going right. to handle what needs to be handled. So I, I mean, it's a good thing to be that way, but there is just a point where you have to balance it out. So I think there are just missing pieces that if every person in management, if every owner knew certain things, and that doesn't come from, by the way, just something I read in a book or some arrogant thing, like I made it up and now I think this is the smartest thing ever. I mean, people always talk like, you know, what's your model or where did you learn this? (laughs) I learned it because I worked with enough business owners. And after a while, you get to solve the same problem. You find certain things that just work, right? If you play football, you better learn how to block and tackle. And if you can't block and tackle, it doesn't matter what kind of really sophisticated strategy we throw at you. You're not going to have success in those games. So you know, the stuff that I work with people on is the block and tackle that really works in the real world when you have to produce results really, really quickly. So we don't do philosophy classes about management. We do like the one, two, three block and tackle. Here's how you get the job done. Yeah. It's the real, and that, right. The proof is in the pudding. It's for the action. See, and I always say, right. I said it at the beginning, the action, what are the actions that I really need to take to get the results and have my entire team working on all cylinders, then the results can catapult and expand and, and just, you know, you make, you make a profit where now you, you call yours the 10 X leadership. Where did that come from? Again, your experience, but was there something specific in how you 
Yeah, it's um, it's always a trick to try and name things, right? But I, when I yeah. work with clients, typically what I want for them is that within three years of the day that you hire me, we should create a 10x return on whatever you spend with me. But the work that I do with teams, and usually, by the way, we, we do way better than that in year one, because when you learn how to block and tackle and that's been missing, that makes a huge difference sure. in your business right away. Sure. But the 10x when you apply it to leadership. So what I found when I worked with all these different teams, right, there were just a few things that were always missing. So to my mind, if you're going to be a 10x leader, you really need three things. One, you need to know how to manage people. So different companies have different philosophies. Um, what most companies do is they have one or two people who are kind of good with people and they end up doing the heavy lifting. If you're going to really excel as an organization, you actually need to have a bunch of people that know how to manage people. You need to be able to do things like hold somebody accountable. So how do you confront somebody without burning down the relationship sure. to actually change their behavior, right? I still see CEOs and people who are managers yelling at people in emails and embarrassing them. I had one young manager say, I made him feel so guilty. And I was like, okay, that's not the game. That's not the game. So how do you do that? Right? How do you celebrate with people? Most organizations, because most of us are hard drivers, we achieve something and then we're on to the next thing. Yeah. Most people that work with you though, need celebration. So some of those basic tactical skills, right? And then the second thing is you need to have a management team that knows how to operate as a team. So I know a lot of the entrepreneurs and leaders who are listening to this, a really common complaint that I hear is, I can't get my people to step up, or I can't believe they don't get it. Like, how are they still coming to me with these small, stupid problems? Like, why am I the only one who's ever doing the job, right? You guys, part of the reason that that happens is if your management team doesn't know how to share information, disagree, resolve the conflict, make a decision for themselves, create a plan and execute, then what they're going to do is what I call big mama, big daddy. So when they hit a place where, you know, Sally and Joe aren't agreeing on something, they're going to look at big mama or big daddy and go fix it. What do you think? Solve the fight, right? You have to teach Sally and Joe and the rest of the team how to operate as a team. And that means that you go from being big mama, big daddy to being the leader of that team where you have input, you get their input, it, it disperses all that power, right? And then the third thing is, and all three of these things combined are how we produce really off the charts results for people. The third thing is you have to spend time on systems process, skill sets, building new tools, all of the infrastructure of your organization, right? Yeah. If you take over a new sales organization, you want to build a sales playbook. You want to build some scripts. You want to have a strategy, right? How many calls should I make in order to produce the result? Well, in your business, you want to think about, like, I'll give you an example. Data is one of the things that breaks organizations. So when you're small, you've got four or five people. You want to know what's going on. You look around, you go, hey, guys, what's going on? And they tell you, and then you know, right? What if you have 40 or 50 people? Maybe you have 400. Maybe mm -hmm. you're on different floors of the same building, or now you have different locations, right? When you're small, you just bump into people, and you're constantly gathering information because there's just a small number of people to get it from. As soon as you get big, if you don't build an efficient way to gather all that information, if you're still trying to just manage by walking around and running around talking to people, then what will happen is you'll end up having a whole bunch of meetings to figure out what's happening. And then the people who are in those meetings will send one person to the next meeting up and then the next meeting up with you. And by the time you finally have everybody do all the downloads about what's happening, everything will have already changed and you'll have 10 new nasty surprises to deal with. 
you will feel like I spend all my time in meetings. I don't have any time to do my actual work and none of it seems to be helping anyway. <laughs> so you want to build a tool, something simple that helps the data move the way it should go. Right. I worked with, um, uh, convenience and grocery store chain. And they were about 30, $40 million in annual revenue. And they had just run, managed everything by running around talking to people. So I, it took me some persuading, but I talked them into building a piece of infrastructure we called the store management tool. And I basically just sat down with the guy who'd been running the operations for 30 years and said, okay, tell me what you look for so that you know that a store is in good shape or bad shape. What are the red flags? What do you check in on, right? We created a really simple four-page Excel document. Each store manager filled it out once a month, took about 15 minutes, and then somebody at headquarters would review it. Their manager could then have a talk with them. So at the time, they had 13 different stores, and they had three and a half people at headquarters managing everything full-time. By the time we were done, they got it fully implemented. They retired that guy who'd been there for 30 years, didn't have to pay to replace him. They ended up with one person instead of three and a half at headquarters managing all stores, and they were getting better results than they'd ever got because they actually knew what was happening and they could spend the meeting time figuring out what to do about what was happening. Brilliant. I'm laughing as you said that. I remember my husband, the company he, he worked for pre, pre-COVID. One week he came home on a Friday and he just looked so beaten. I said, what's the matter? He says, you know, I shouldn't have done this. He goes, but before I left, I, I looked at how many hours that I was in meetings. And I'm like, and? He goes, I was in meetings for 36 hours of my 40-hour work week. And I'm like, uh-huh. And he goes, when is the work ever going to get done? And it's the same thing. It's the dog chasing its tail. But if you're in meeting after and everybody listening, I know that some of you are thinking, holy crap, I'm in meetings all the time. When does the work get done? And the problem is you can't even go and communicate it with the people who can execute because you're running to your next meeting. It's the it's the dog chasing the tail. It becomes this level of just insanity, but we don't know how to stop it. Right. So this is why your expertise, when you come in and you can observe it, see, this is experience, right, Alicia, you go in and you say, wait a minute, I want to see this. I want to see, you know, what to ask for that. They're thinking, why does she want to see that? And you're thinking, just like you said, this poor guy was as soon as you asked him what he was looking at, he could tangibly tell you yes. what he was looking at. And instead of looking at 90 things, he only needed to look at four to get yes. the information he needed. Right. So it's the streamlining oh. of effort. But you have to somebody it's like, stop the music. Can we yes. look at what we're doing in the day to day minutia? What can we what do we need to keep doing? What do we stop doing? What can we revamp? And and it was what did you say? A four page spreadsheet that they had to fill them once a month for four for 15 minutes. That's the other thing. And do you see this all the time? I see this with my clients. They say to me, Connie, please don't tell us we have to do more reports on the sales. And I say, why? And they, go, and they show me and they're automated, but they show me, I have to do. And I go, but you did that in that report. Now we have to reiterate it. Cause this oh, one yeah. looks at this. And do you see that all and, the time too? And- Half of it's manual, right? And you're like, what are you doing? We have seven different reports from four different places. None of them actually tell us anything useful. Yeah, you know from a sales background, right? Scoreboards make a huge difference. So I would just say your shortcut is if you're spending all that time in meetings, the two things I look at is one is data. 
what data is being shared and how is it being shared? For example, in most meetings, the way they work is you and I and a bunch of other people get together and we have an agenda. And I start with the first thing on the agenda and it's you to give your report. I go to Connie, how's it going over there? And then I don't know if you're really sharp, maybe you give a concise report, right? If you like to talk, maybe you talk a lot. If you're upset about something, maybe you complain the same, like one of the clues that you're running a meeting that's stupid is if you talk about the same stuff every single week and it never actually changes, right? So I train people, we're going to give a two minute report. I don't need all the details that by the way, we've already covered seven weeks in a row. I need an update. I need a two minute update. What, what is working? What are any delays or problems? What do you need from this group? What is there to celebrate, right? So one, you wanna look at your data, how you're sharing it, what you're sharing. If you can come up with simple scoreboards, right? With really precise data, then you know what is happening. In an engineering firm, they would have about 70 open projects at any given time. Wow. I said, well, how do you, how do you know what you need to pay attention to? Well, we gotta dig into the projects. Like somebody's gotta look. No, 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 no. <laughs> we want a list of all 70 projects. We taught them a really simple assessment, red, yellow, or green. And I use that one a lot, right? If it's green, it means it's handled. Nobody's got to worry about it or it's on track. Yellow means we're a little nervous about a couple of things. And red means it's on fire. Pay attention to this. So now instead of a three-hour meeting with everybody talking about all 70 of those projects, right? We have one simple sheet and we can go, okay, these are good these are questionable. Let's start with what's on fire. Most people spend most of their time in meetings talking about stuff they don't need to talk about and never get to the stuff they do. So one, you look at data and then two, just look at how you make decisions. A lot of teams, everybody runs around the circle and you go, I think, I think, I think, I think, I think. No, 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 no. We teach teams to go, I propose. Here's what I want to do. I propose we X an action step, right? But that's part of teaching that management team how to work together and function as a team. And this is all, I know I'm like preaching to the choir, but man, the truth is most of us are running meetings with the same sophistication as the 10th grade student council down the street because we never learned any different. Who is going to teach us that, right? It's true. <laughs> you know, it's funny. My one, my younger son, when he just graduated college, when he was in school, he had an internship with happy just be one of my clients and a friend. Right. So she would take him, which I, I was so appreciative of this brilliant uh, Jeannie Ciccello, br brilliant woman. Shout out to, to her um, would take my son to the meetings and then he would come home. And I'm like, so what'd you do today? Right. Because I knew the client and he'd say she took me to a meeting. And I'm like, and what were you supposed to do in this meeting? She, she would tell me before every meeting, she goes, I want you to just sit and observe. And she goes, I'm going to teach you a really important lesson. Who is a talker but doesn't say anything and is yes. wasting everybody's time? Who's the one coming prepared, knows what to share, and they're right on point? I want you to pay attention to those people because when you get a job and you're in meetings, don't waste people's time. Because if we could have a meeting in 10 minutes, even though it's scheduled for an hour, if we could do it in 10 minutes, why, why are we spending the hour? And so, and she was a real stickler, right? Everybody knew on her team. So I said, and then I says, and what did she do? And 
at the end of every meeting, she would say, okay, report to me. What did you say? And what a great skill that she taught him. And he would say, he didn't really say, now he didn't know everything that they were discussing, right? It was above his, his grade level, literally. He would say, I don't think he said too much. This one, they were prepared. I timed him. It was three minutes. And wow, you got, you corralled them. Like he would say to her, you're tough. And she'd say, notice we were in there 15 minutes. And because she would shut people down and say, I don't need to know that. Give me the, give me the points. So yes. again, you have to teach it, but wasn't that a great skill she taught my son? Oh my God. It's brilliant. I'm a huge fan of Jeannie. Jean, Jeannie Ticelli. Yep. Jeannie. Jeannie Ticelli. See, we don't have as many Italians out in Colorado, but I <laughs> She's love a paisan. I, I could get a, I could get an I heart Jeannie Ticelli t-shirt and I would be perfectly thrilled because the thing is intentionality wins the game. And if you actually train everybody, here's what a verbal report should look like. Everything has to be in the system an hour before the meeting. So we don't spend an hour talking about dumb stuff. I don't need to know what's fine. We need to spend the time talking about what's not. So, I mean, there are always managers like Jeannie who get it, right? And they're paying attention and they know. But if you aren't that, if you don't have that, if you haven't had all the brain damage and hard work to learn all those things, um, you know, I always laugh with people when we talk about the ROI that we produce, because we literally call it your huge ROI, because that there's a lot of low-hanging fruit. And I joke with people, I'm like, listen, this is all because, of course, I'm a genius, right? But mostly, <laughs> there's a lot of low-hanging fruit. So if somebody just walks in, and, and it all seems really basic, but here's the thing, business is hard. You got to know your industry. You got to know your people. You've got 8 million fires going on. And if you're growing really quickly, it's all hell's breaking loose in every direction on any given day, right? You can't be good at everything. Yeah. But in the places where you're not good, where you're stuck, right? Usually that's when people find me. They're like, I'm so frustrated, right? Like we're making more money than we've ever made, but we're spending more than we've ever spent. And I don't actually know if that's okay. And I'm working my butt off and so are my top two people. I can't tell what everybody else is doing. And I don't understand why stuff still doesn't work, right? It all looks very mysterious. And I don't understand in our culture how that's possible given how frequently this problem occurs. But the good news is it occurs all the time and there are really substantive things that you can do to shut it down and get your efficiency back. So you don't have to work an extra thousand hours a month or an extra 10 hours a week. You shouldn't be spending Saturdays at your office for the entire life of your business. You should be able to go home. So knowing what to focus on, knowing what to not focus on just makes a huge, huge difference. That infrastructure piece is really key. Give me, we're out of time, but I, I want you to give me, if there's a business listening, right? Cause I have a lot of executives listen. I have a lot of businesses, business owners listening. What would be triggers that they're saying to themselves or feeling that the trigger should be, holy crap, I need brilliant. I, cause you are brilliant, brilliant Alicia. I Thank need you. her as part of my team. <laughs> what would be some of that self-talk or, or clear, clear that you need yeah. help? Yeah. If you're seeing the same problems over and over and over again, like, how is it we can't get this right? Why can't we get this out the door on time? How am I still re-explaining this to you? That level of frustration, right? If you feel like you can't get your team to step up, a lot of times you just aren't realizing the ways you're making it harder for them to step up, right? Mm -hmm. So same problems, if they're small and stupid problems, when you're, you feel like you can't get your team to step up, but mostly you're overwhelmed. Like you're working your butt off. You're working harder than you ever have. And you can never get caught up. Like you're always behind and you can't see a way out of that. You've probably tried some stuff and nothing is really working. 
what's happening is your infrastructure is broken and you need help fixing that. Once you get it, you get to be confident and excited again, right? Like it's literally, I can show you how it all broke and then you'll go, oh my God, I get it. Because you end up, if you don't understand what's really broken, you end up working on a lot of the surface level stuff, right? I got to yell at somebody in quality. No, it's your infrastructure that's broken. If you fix that, that's where you not only fix the problem in a way that sticks, but you actually get all these huge returns. And then you can go do cool stuff. You can actually build. You can, you can create something really great instead of just surviving the day. Do you find that you work with clients for about a year? Is that the kind of the sweet mm-hmm. spot on average? Probably some need more, some maybe are, are smaller and need less. But would you say, it to, because here's the thing, the, as, you're, as you're speaking and sharing these things, I know some of my clients, right? Or I hope they're yeah. listening. But, you know, when you fix it and it's a year, the I can't afford that. You can't afford, I'm thinking, you can't afford not to fix it because in that year, what you're going to spend time and money and effort, people get going someplace else because they can't take it anymore. Right. That level of frustration. So now you're you could potentially be losing really good quality people that you want to retain. Right. And you're keeping the dead wood because you're so out of control. They know they could fly under the radar. And I'm sure that's mm-hmm. resonating. So if they give you that one year, Alicia, you not only clean it all up, but all of a sudden their revenue is jumping that the, the you said the return on investment was like exponential. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's and it's short term and long term, right? So one is, yes, there's all the opportunities you're missing. There's the dead wood you're carrying. There's a good people you potentially could lose. But it's also your own level of brain damage and frustration. Like it grinds away because when you get caught in a firefighting loop, and that's really what happens when your infrastructure is broken by growth or anything else. You start fighting fires and then you don't have time to get ahead of problems. Then you end up fighting more fires. And pretty soon you're just running from meeting to fire all day long. That grinds away at you. Mm. So when I work with a team over the course of the year, you fix all that short-term stuff, but more importantly, you set it up so your business actually works again. And then you can build and you get to know that you're working on the right thing instead of laying awake, worrying about what you're going to do about all these problems that you don't know how to solve that seem really sticky. Some of them, you know, there's no magic wand, right? But you'd be shocked at how much of this you can actually clean up. I mean, it's, it is remarkable, huge, huge advantage. But see, that goes back to just, this is your world, right? This is your zone of genius. So when you go in, you see with clarity, what, we're too close to the problem. We're too close to the situation because we're in it. You can't pull yourself back and look at the magnifying glass over the situation. You're the magnifying glass over the situation. It's just like, you know, I, I, I'm a business coach, right? I have a business coach. Why? People go, why? Because I don't know everything. Are you freaking kidding me? So you pick someone who has an expertise that you know you need to step into, but you don't know how to. You hire that person and then they become your coach and mentor and they help you grow your business, right? While you're still doing your business, your zone of genius. You don't know what you don't know. And it goes back to the blind spots. We all have freaking blind spots. And when you're in the throw of the chaos, you're not looking with with any type of logic or clarity. So you you're like almost we're in a tornado 
and you're like the, the you know, I'm thinking the Tasmanian devil and you're the one who like hoses him down and goes slow, like slow down there, little doggy. We, we got work to do. I, I, or you're like the wrangler, like, uh, cause you're Denver. So yeah, you're out West, right? You're the horse and the horse and the, the Cowboys, right? So you're like, and, and those of you that are on Apple and not on my, my YouTube channel, I'm doing like a lasso motion with my hand and you're like throwing it around the organization going, oh, all right, reeling I, you in, right? I, I am the new sheriff in town and we'll put a stop to these shenanigans. I and and I, I think this is really important and I'm sure this is something that you do, right? I am a big fan or actually I really hate when coaches or consultants, they keep all the knowledge for themselves. And I know you do this with people, right? Yeah. And I do this too. It's not just I'm the expert, blah, blah, blah. That doesn't matter. It should be that I'm going to transfer that knowledge into you and your organization. So at the end of the year, you're not going to just like Alicia came in and did some cool stuff. You and your team are going to know how to play the game in a new way. You're going to be good at it already. And it's really seamless. Like we start with me leading stuff and then we transition it to you. So you get to keep all that knowledge. And the truth is human beings are learners and we, not all of us learn the same way. Not everybody loves to read books or listen to, you know, books on tape, but when you are learning new information, you create excitement, you create momentum, you create opportunities for yourself. And I just, my saying is that life is both too short and too long to put up with this kind of crap. Like if you're stuck, you go get help for God's sake. Yeah. And and there's resources out there, right? That's part of the element of the show is to share people like you so that if someone is having that problem, here's your solution. It's screaming at you. Just hear it really, just really listen and hear it. It's funny. My, my coach, you know, my year is up with him and of course I'm going to keep working with him. But he, I, I've been doing things with him and I'm like, you know, you owe me big. And I keep teasing him because I do. He's like, so now he's like, we got to do that. We got to do that. We're doing things together because now our zones of genius, right? You find that overlap or magic that we think, whoa, we could probably 10X that, or we can create something from that. So it's just, it's magical when you, when you're with another intelligent person that can help you move the needle, it's it's so exciting. And you, you're like, you feel like Superman, like, oh, you know, you pull that shirt open and the S is showing and, you know, and like Alicia gave me superwoman status here. It's, it's fun. It's exhilarating. And it makes life a heck of a lot more fun, especially because we're working so much of our life. Right. So well, guys, and if you're, yeah, if you're stuck in sales, you want to call a Connie Whitman, you, you want to have sales feel great right? You don't want to be grinding away. Nobody hits their sales numbers grinding away for your That's how you end up dead of a heart attack at your desk or in your car, in somebody's parking lot. Like you want to be fully alive and then you just ratchet that up from there. So you know what, Alicia, and we're out of time, but I do, and I want to give your website an email, but what you just said is important. And this goes for the ailments that Alicia can fix or, or sales, if you're, you, you feel it's a heavy, like she said that you're grinding and, and it's, it's an ailment. It's not, it's not going to, you're not going to do well. The thing is you have resources that can help make fun work, fun um, meetings, fun and productive, right? Sales, enjoy the sales conversation instead of dreading them. Enjoy the conversations on the phone instead of dreading them. It's possible. You just have winning to reach is out. Fun. Oh, winning, winning is fun. Sister, again, I'm competitive. I want to win all the time. When my kids were little, we play a board game. I would win. And my husband would goes, win. you're 
He goes, you're so mean. I go, this is real life. They need to learn that they have to compete and that sometimes you lose. I mean, sometimes I would let them win. And that sometimes nobody, I would. Nobody beats mom. Nobody. Be- no, I did let them win sometimes. <laughs> but sometimes I was like, they need to learn a lesson. They're a little too big for their britches here. <laughs> I win the game. <laughs> Says the it. mean mom. You're, you're funny. <laughs> Listen, my friend, we're out of time. Website, please, please reach out. Alicia is brilliant. She's amazing. And she really does help people 10 times plus their um, income or their, their growth potential. Uh, go to maverickandcompany.com. Or if you have a specific question for Alicia, yeah. go to her email. She's really Happy good. Yep. Alicia at Maverick and company.com. I promise I will put it in the show notes. Um, Thank you. We do a lot of stuff on LinkedIn. If you just like, you like the sound of this and you want some freebies, that's a great place to go because we put out a lot of great content there. So. Yes. And Alicia does some amazing videos that are so darn thought provoking that half the time I listen, I go, oh, man, I got like I got to think about that for my business. So, yes, LinkedIn is another good place to find Alicia as well. Yeah. You always put out such great videos. I like videos. They're quick. They're digestible. Versus, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I like simple and fast. So, everyone, thank you for tuning in. Alicia, thank you for being just my amazing friend and guest. I just love having you on and I loved our conversation. And I hope you will join me weekly as we question, build, and discover together that no matter what position you have, you have to come from this heart centered place. But you have to have a plan. And that's really what we talked about today. Being human, having a plan and just getting crap done and making people excel. That's what we're here to do. Let's make money. Let's have fun. And let's let's get our people rising to the occasion and wanting to show up for us. Right. That's really what our conversation was about. Um, Thank you. Thank you, Alicia. And thank you all for tuning in to the Heart Centered Sales Leader podcast with me your heart-centered sales leader and host, Connie Whitman, on webtalkradio.net. I really do wish you all an inspired week filled with growth. And, you know, Alicia gave so many great ideas and little tips and strategies um, for you to start to explore Can you do it? And if you can't, you have a wonderful resource in Alicia and her company um, to help you out. So please tap into that. Do something. Don't just complain or say it is what it is. And this is my life. Unacceptable. Here's a resource for you. Please, please go out and embrace Alicia and um, check her out. LinkedIn, the, the website, all of that will be on the show notes. Thank you all. Thank you, Alicia. And I'll see you all next week. Have a great one. You've been listening to the Heart Centered Sales Leader Podcast. Thanks for tuning in to hear Connie Whitman and her expert guests share tips, tools, and strategies that can be implemented immediately. Be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode. And while you're at it, please leave a rating and review and share it with your friends. Tune in every week for more exciting insights and strategies on increasing your business's ROI. And always remember, lead with heart and your sales will follow.